Hello, Dave Wright, aka Spaceman, aka Vice T Dave. This is William Hung. Congratulations for becoming a father to baby boy. Here is a song for you. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, when she moves, she moves. I go crazy 'cause she loves lucky flow, but she stays like a bee. Let every girl in history, you bang. You do bang, Dave. Welcome back to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, go with your gut champion, and a numbers-obsessed, hours-logging nerd of spreadsheets to find you a consensus and share it with you, our listeners. Who am I joined by? Joined by. At F of underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, I am amped up. We're back in it tonight, baby, with a brand new effing format. I am pumped. And you said we're going to try to find some consensus. I don't know. We've got some hot takes to get to tonight. There's going to be blows, some banter. Let's get into it. Wow. Uh, it seems like you haven't been sleeping well, David. You seem very hostile. Uh, How is fatherhood working out? It's lovely. It's a life-changing experience. But you know what's also life-changing? Week one in the NFL, baby. Todd, how was your time off? Fantastic, man. Just loving football uh, in 16 leagues, C2Cs, and plenty of dynasties. Like one redraft. 12 and 16 out of my 16 leagues. So happy about that and loving the fact that football's back. 12 and 16? 12 out of 16. Oh, okay. I, I won 12 out of 16 matchups. I was eight and four this week, so I was very happy with that as well. Nice, nice. Uh, you want to get in the question, Dave, bud? Let's go, baby. It's been a long time off. The loyal listeners are ready. They've been itching for the question of the day, my friend. Normally, we like we'll do a question of the day that's not football related, but we're just amped. Football's back, so it's a football question. All right. If you could attend any Super Bowl in history, which one would you attend? And to our listeners, please comment to us on that i'd love to hear your answers but david let's start with you i would love to see go and watch super bowl 49 against the patriots versus seattle there was something about that entire game i thought it was an incredibly well played football game and i was all in my heart of hearts as a patriots fan i was ready for the heartbreak after the malcolm butler I think it was Chris Matthews made that ridiculous catch over him after the ricochet, and I could not believe it. But he gets up, has the wherewithal to make the tackle still, and then at the I thought it was over with. I thought they were going to run in with Marshawn Lynch like the entire world at that point. But then Malcolm Butler, undrafted free agent, who went over the play once in practice, jumps the route, interception, Tom Brady, the weight had been off. It felt like it had been a while since the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Todd, that was truly one of my favorite Super Bowl wins. Uh, and and for the record, too, where I was living in Dudley at the time, Dudley, Massachusetts at the time, the, the people I were living with who owned the house had company over, and there was this one guy who was heckling me the entire game and how into it I was. And I, I was so frustrated. And when that, when that pick happened, oh my, my reaction was priceless. I'll just leave it at that. I, I remember that game vividly. I actually have a like frame and matted piece of Malcolm Butler making the pick, and it's signed by Butler. I, I mean, that was the greatest game I'd ever seen 
like any Super Bowl I've seen until Super Bowl 51, where you had the Edelman catch, 28-3, vintage Brady, one of the greatest comebacks ever, and clearly we're diehard Patriots fans. So that comeback to me was just one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in my entire life, man. So, like, either of those games I'd be, like, in heaven to go to, or the first Pat Super Bowl where we took down the greatest uh, show on turf. Those would all be amazing. But just because, like, you know, we're both Pats fans and, you know, people love to hate Pats fans, I figured I'd give people, like, like a choice that wasn't a Patriots game. Todd, before you get to that, I want to share some background information on that game. Okay. So Taylor 2 rivals behind the scenes. That game, Todd had been blatant about how it's going to be a smoke show for the Patriots all over social media. We have a friend, Jeff, who is a Falcons fan, and Todd was just basically crapping all over him. And I and after that first half, I was so pissed that Patriots fans were blowing that game off and acting like it was a, a cupcake and everything. I actually was probably the only time I've really ever been mad at Todd was then. I actually left a group chat that I was in with Todd <laughs> because I was so effing pissed. Like, I was really pissed. I was, like, legitimately pissed. And it actually took away from some of my enjoyment of that effing comeback because I was actually pissed at you. I talk so much crap, I don't even remember that. So That's ridiculous. Man, yeah, I left the chat. It was a Facebook Messenger chat at the time, and they added me back, and they go, no one leaves this chat. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that now. That's amazing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was all over it. And um, yeah, no, I mean, and then like, talk about like just an emotional roller coaster that game was as a Patriots fan. But yeah, oh man, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I talk a lot of crap. It's hard to keep up. All right. So for my non-Patriots picks, Super Bowl 34. I remember this game well. Um... I think I was a sophomore or a junior in high school. I was at my buddy's house and we watched it. And it was like the first time, you know, you got together with your friends and like hung out, you know, he you know, some beverages downstairs. That was the Titans Rams game with Dyson in the stretch where like he gets down at the one yard line. That game was intense. That was such a good football game. Such a good football game. Now, if I had to pick a game for a single performance, I would go with Super Bowl 23, where Jerry Rice goes for 215 and a touchdown, dude. I would love to see Jerry Rice at his best in the Super Bowl. That would be so special to watch. So those are those are my non not my non Patriot picks because I feel like we needed that. Yes, I felt bad that our listeners had to after the layoff had to listen to us spew Patriots love. <laughs> at least they got to enjoy the Patriots loss in Week yeah. One. Yeah. That was a good question today. Good times. All right. So let's go over the new format. All right. So we typically would have done like an hour, hour 15 for an episode. So what we're going to do now, you're going to get the, probably the same amount of content, but we decided to break it down into three episodes, a little bit less to digest. And, you know, so the way we're going to break it down is Dave's going to have three takes that he has every week. I'm going to have three takes that I have each week. And then we're going to have a weekly advice show. So those are the three different shows we're going to have. Dave's takes, my takes, and then a weekly advice show. And Dave and I are obviously still going to banter, give us some rebuttals, probably get a little heated, get a little feisty. I'll show to Dave why, you know, he overanalyzes things. But at the same time, like, you know, you're still going to get the same amount of content. It's just going to be a little bit more digestible, in my opinion. 
And I'm really excited about it, Todd, because I think, one, it gives everyone something to look forward to throughout the week, because sometimes it's a pain to, to, to edit an entire episode and get it out to people in a timely fashion, especially with our, our schedules now. It'll be easier to edit, easier to put these shows out. And I think we're going to be able to get more people involved because they don't have to commit an hour, an episode. It's 20 minutes a day. Boom, bang, boom. And they still get the same banter, stats, and go with your gut kind of takes. Yeah, and, you know it's it, you know this is what happens when you scaffold your con your content. The educators in us have got this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's get into it, man. David, this is your show. This is David's takes. David, let's have take one, my friend. So take one was I really spent a lot of time this off season investing in the sophomore wide receiver class. I was all in from a dynasty rankings perspective. I was all in from a redrafts perspective. I am obsessed with that year two jump, that Rotoviz, that Peter Howard that I have talked about, done a lot of work on, and that production that the, there's a huge jump in opportunity from year one to year two if you're young and successful in year one. And this was one of the best wide receiver classes we've had dating all the way back to 2014. So that being said, Todd, to start her off, CD Lamb was a sophomore wide receiver one this week with a 26.5% target share, 15 freaking targets. 41% of the air yards in that offense and a 0.68 whopper. And you know, a long layoff. I had to talk whopper to get this, get it started. Weighted opportunity rating. And then a 0.65 racer, which actually Dave loves a good whopper. He loves a good whopper for the record. 0.7 and above is like Julio Jones in his heyday type of numbers. So a 0.68, his week one as a sophomore was huge, but 0.65 racer, which is basically how good it com- of turning air yards into receiving yards he was. 0.65 actually is kind of iffy because if everyone will look, uh, CD was a little inefficient with his targets. Some of that was on Dak, some of it was on CD. But overall, Todd, CD Lamb, big week one. I mean, we, we don't need to know how I feel about CD Lamb. I, you know, I was the one who was like leading the parade on this show, like before he was even like, a, like on the radar for a prospect. So I love CD. It's kind of wild when you think about how much we're praising him when he was like the second best receiver uh, on his team that day, but we'll get into that later. But David, David, Evan in the tooth traded a CD Lamb in a dynasty week. What were they thinking, dude? I don't know. We gave up a lot. Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith, and more in the on the IDP side. A lot. When you think about how important depth is in the 16-team-man league, and guess what? It didn't matter. 320 points, week one, effing dominated Todd. Boom. Peanuts. Peanuts for the for the greatest wide receiver of all time. I'm okay, sorry. I'll slow down. I'll slow down. <laughs> Ooh, just like Mark Ingram's a Hall of Famer. All right. David, continue. All right. Now I'm going to go a little bit more rapid fire here. Jalen Rager. Hey, sophomore wide receiver two in week one. Exactly how I drew it up when he was my wide receiver two in my rookie rankings. Todd, six receptions and six targets. Not, almost a 19% target share. 50 receiving yards. And that, but the real crazy part is a one A dot. They really manufactured him, hit their opportunities in week one. Uh, so that only gives him like a 0.31 whopper, which isn't very good. But so it makes me think it might be not as repeatable week in, week out when it has to be manufactured. A lot of the, his production was in that one touchdown towards the end of the game. But hey, after what Rager went through last year, promising week one to say the least. Dude. Love Rager's opportunity this year. I do feel like Devontae Smith's going to be like the wide one by the end of the year, and a tight end could be number two in targets. But the potential for Rager to be top in targets on that team, 
No doubt. It's in the realm of possibilities. You can't deny that. Unreal value, solid week one performance. He's on a bunch of waiver wires and redrafts, most likely. Let's keep in mind, though, that uh, you know I think Dave could rip off six catches for 49 yards versus the Falcons. It's an awful defense. I mean, just awful. Even Falcons fans will tell you that. Uh, shout out, Jeff. You know, they do play San Fran that made Detroit look like a good offense. And then you got Dallas, that's a horrendous defense. And two weeks after that, they got Carolina. They got some really favorable matchups early on. So I kind of like the idea of trading for Rager early on and if you need some depth or youth because he definitely got a little bit of a value bump, but he's still very affordable. So I, I like Rager a lot right now, Dave, a lot. It just felt good to see him succeed. He was really crapped on. His value tanked. I feel like the time to get him was in the offseason, but maybe buy back in still before everyone catches up. And then, Todd, moving on, a little bit more rapid fire. Van Jefferson catching the ball in Sunday Night Football to lead off the game was devastating, soul-crushing, because I really enjoyed victory lapping the film people who were gaga over the coach's son. But overall, three targets on the game. It was just still gut-check reaction. Then... T. Higgins, 19% target share, uh, caught that touchdown, 0.42 whopper, which is anything not anything to write home about, uh, ended up as the wide receiver 29, but I'm viewing this as his floor in week one after that IV card off the field scare, which was very odd, but then rolling back right into Brandon Ayuk, disheartening. I don't even know what really happened. Did Ayuk did I, call out Shanahan for his little dick energy for starting Jimmy, Jimmy G? Is that why he got benched? Really flabbergasted, Todd, what the hell is going on in San Francisco? I, I think the thing with San Francisco is, is like, from what I read, like, you know, Sherfield, like, impressed in camp while uh, you can miss time. And Shanahan does seem like the kind of guy who, like, has the kind of ego that he'll micromanage the situation instead of just playing the clearly more talented player. Like, I could totally believe that. It might be coaches speak, but I could totally see a guy thinking he is an off- phenomenal offensive mind. Let's not, let's not deny that. But he definitely has a very high opinion of himself, too. I would be trying to buy Ayuk everywhere right now. Absolutely everywhere. I mean, if I don't like the cost, that's fine. But there are some people that are just straight up flabbergasted right now. I always talk about try to trade those emotional points. A guy gets out for the year and he's still going to have value later, like Saquon last year. I feel like... See if anybody has a knee-jerk reaction to Ayuk right now in the Dynasty League. And also, like, Debo went off, dude. And I feel like that could lessen his uh, value temporarily. So now is the time that there's a buy window to get on there. And, like, Ayuk's just too good to stay on the sidelines, dude. Like, a a smart owner would not have that kind of emotional response, but many do. So We are very invested, Todd, going to week one. If there was ever a time to take advantage of the emotions this week one. There's a lot. I was extremely emotional week one. I had a phenomenal time watching the games. Good point about going after Ayuk. I have him in a couple places. Don't have him as much as I would like because people were trying to get a ransom for him. I traded a lot for him in our home league in the Taylor 2 Rivals Listener League. Uh, we're not going to go into that right now. But anyway, up next, KJ Osborne, who? Nine freaking targets. 19% target share for him. 23% of the air yards. A decent whopper. Okay efficiency. And decent, yeah, okay efficiency. Uh, overall, very solid. I'm targeting him as a pickup in deeper dynasty leagues because I don't think he's rostered in a lot of places, but I'm not trading for him. I'm not picking him up in redraft by any means. Overall, having that kind of target share with Jefferson and Thielen in that offense was like, okay, okay, that's something, but I'm not expecting 
anything major out of him. And then Jerry, Judy, Todd, looking everything he was freaking built up to be. And then he was carted off the freaking field with that high ankle sprain. Thank goodness it's only a high ankle sprain. But hopefully we've heard a lot about that, Todd, going that they that can linger all season. A little bit less so for wide receivers. But man, he was he was really good. 20% target share. Uh, he was well on his way to 100 yards and 20 PPR points. Just, I think he is what he was built to be. And the people who are worried about the drops and the, the lack of air yard conversions in the offseason were misfounded. LaVisca started off strong. Nine targets, 18.4% our target share, but only a 3.1 A dot. So they're manufacturing targets for him. Uh, very efficient with, with turning those targets and those, those air yards into receiving yards. Top 40 week isn't what we were hoping for, for an explosion with Trevor Lawrence. But, I, you know, over 10 PPR points, okay for where he was going, Todd. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson... Workload was disappointing with only not was disappointed with only nine targets. Same as effing KJ or KJ effing Osborne. Yeah, we were hoping that he'd be in the 28, 29% target share, getting that kind of workload. So it was disappointing to see him just as middling numbers there, Todd. Any thoughts on Jefferson? Yeah, I think my uh I think the one thing that people need to realize is if they didn't watch the game, is that like he was supposed to have scored a touchdown. It looked like that it was a touchdown. Zimmer challenged it. Uh they had a weird camera angle to review the play like how does that happen how do you not have the right camera angle to review a touchdown like it was really bizarre dude and um don't you have like multiple angles ready i don't know so anyways uh he should have had a touchdown so we'd be probably singing a little bit of a different tune with that touchdown in his performance and that was a big turning point for his week and the vikings in general so like yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little more than nine targets, but I'm also not going to sneeze at, like, nine targets being low. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I expect that number to definitely go up, and I'm just going to call this, like, a little bit of an outlier. Like, I don't see K.J. Osborne <laughs> maintaining a nine-target <laughs> per game, dude. It was just more like I was expecting him to just dominate that offense that year two, going to year two. No, am I, am I trading him away? Am I dropping my rankings? Not by any means. Just a little disappointing, Todd. I, I mean, Todd, I was gaga for these these sophomore receivers. And then, hey, Chase Claypool, only a 15% target share. Uh, who was surprised by that? Not really me. Uh, but actually, I kind of was because uh, I was, you know, I had come around on on Claypool a little bit, and I was a little bit above consensus, but I was that year two jump again. But a little disappointing in week one. Uh, the Mapletron nickname because he's from Canada. They're saying he's the Canadian version of of Megatron. Didn't really live up to the flavor in week one, Todd, if you will. And then leave it to Matt freaking Nagy and Andy Dalton to stop the Darnell Mooney going into orbit in week one. He had a nice target share at seventeen point five percent, but like only what thirty receiving yards. Very unimaginative in that Chicago offense and just freaking disgusting. And KJ Hamler with the big drop on the deep ball for the TD. And Michael Pittman both fell flat in week one with only an 11% target share. That being said, only one week. I do not think that Pittman is going to be billed. I don't think he's the, he's not in the same class as any of the wide receivers we talked about so far, in my opinion. He's a, a, a tier below that. And then Brian Words and Henry Ruggs, they both came alive towards the second half and the end of that game, Todd, especially Brian Edwards. Going to have to see more going forward, but at least it was better than it was in the first half. Yeah, so like back to the Colts game, I think the thing that was most concerning about Pittman for me had nothing to do with Pittman is the fact that 
Wentz targeted his uh, running backs a total of 15 times. You know, Taylor had eight and, like, Hines had seven. That's a little concerning. But, I mean, I got a lot of JT and Hines, so I'm, like, not mad about it. But I think, like, what Pittman is, is, like, you're 100% right that he's another tier down. I think he's the most affordable option with an opportunity to be the wide one. I mean, he still is only one target behind Pascal for, like, the lead among receivers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to freak out about a game one. I still like Pittman, and I think that if you're a team that you, like, you might be lacking a little bit of, like, wide receiver depth or could get a little younger at that spot, I think it's good to kick the tires on Pittman this week because I think that people are probably a little disappointed about that, and, like, those points might have been a little concerning. And that's part of the banter of the trade. You know what I mean? Like, you could be bringing up those points. And, I mean, don't force it. Like, don't beat him over the head with it. Try to make it an organic conversation. I-, I like the idea of, like, the guys to buy low on would be, like, Pittman and Ayuk for, the- for that group right now, you know? I can't co-sign on the Pittman, but I understand the argument for it. I just have never been really a big fan of Pittman, and uh, he's a little older prospect for me. But- well, here's the thing, though. The opportunity is there, and the cost is not going to be a lot. You're not, like, like, you're not going to be giving up, like, a piece that would drastically change your outcome for 2021. And I don't think you would need to give up, like, you're not, you're not giving up a first for Pittman. The assets you have to invest to get Pittman would be a lot, and it's probably less right now, too, you know? So That being said, Todd, what you just said, I was, I was not a big Pittman believer, so I'm, like, confirming that. I feel like I'm confirming my beliefs, whereas if you are a Pittman fan, don't let week one sway you. That's, I guess that's where we can leave that with Pittman, I would say, right? Yeah, I'm not a Pittman fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like value, so that's my thing. So, like, yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, take one, David. That was pretty efficient for you. What's, what's getting to take two? For me, it was efficient. I'm going to be more freaking efficient for take two, and this segment is going to be Spaceman's Crushes because some of my crushes smashed this week, and I'm going to start with the big one, I took a lot of heat for DeAndre Swift all effing offseason. The, the shenanigans on fantasy football Twitter from major accounts, uh, from major websites, was absolutely appalling and disgraceful. I will say that. And the hate, motivated by hate for DeAndre Swift, I will say. Just overall people hating. Everyone makes excuses for Najee Harris, but no one was doing the same process for DeAndre Swift. Like they're saying, making excuses for Pittsburgh's offensive line, but then when it comes to Overall, the Detroit offense, they weren't able to look just bet on the talent. So I, it was just really confusing. And to go with it, DeAndre Swift, RB4 on the week. And take that, you haters and the, and the, the doubters. Now, I was a little crushed seeing Jamal Williams get that goal line carry. But 11 freaking targets and the PPR RB4 is exactly what we said. Doesn't matter about game script. Doesn't matter about how far behind, how little uh, he's doing on the ground because he's going to be a weapon in the receiving game with those 11 targets, Todd. Yeah, man, I love it. Uh, I like your victory lap about the Lions offense after one week. No, it's not the offense. It's more that the offense wasn't going to deter Swift. All right. uh, I'll I'll check out the parade. So I'll admit, I started James Robinson over Swift, and it had nothing to do with the rumors around, like, Swift and, like, legal matters. had nothing to do with that. It was more like, I wasn't sure if he was healthy, but it was also more of the fact that I just saw A-Rob just trouncing that Texans, um, that Texas defense. That did not happen. So, like, I always say play your studs week one. And I wasn't quite sure about Swift being a stub. And Swift just slapped me in the face being like, 
Who are you kidding, Todd? So I will not make that mistake again. Thing, yeah, and Jamal Williams did get some work. Only a 52% opportunity share for Swift. Uh, Jamal Williams got some work, but it, it just felt disingenuous. So, and I, and I was, made a point to say, I am going down with the ship on Swift. I am rolling him out despite reports. But then, moving on. Christian, like I said, my start was more about disrespecting Houston. So. Totally true. Totally true. No, no, it, this isn't on you, Todd. This is more, I'm just devoting all of my energy towards effing underscore Duchesne's. Fade Duchesne's. Classic example of Desh- Fade Duchesne's on this one. And listen to Space Man. Fade Dick Shane's. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, I'll see you in the, at the wedding in a couple in a couple weeks, buddy. Uh, so so uh, Christian Kirk, wide receiver nine, Todd, wide receiver nine for Christian Kirk on only five targets for seven yards. But the thing was the two tutties with the Willie Mays s catch where uh, I don't I don't think this is going to really last all season. I just think the thing that we were preaching, Todd, with Rondell Moore all off season was you want pieces of this Arizona offense because Kyler is the real deal, still has room to grow. And what we saw with 41 points from Kyler, Christian Kirk's going to have the big weeks. He was on my bench everywhere. On my bench everywhere, Todd. And I'm so happy about him being on my bench for that because he's not dead yet, even though people wanted him to be. And then, Ron, and then speaking of what, Rondell Moore, Todd. All, we, we were all in on Rondell Moore on a tale of two rivals. Uh, the hate for his size, the hate for his draft capital. Lots of things going against his injuries, his lack of production because of the injuries in college. All kinds of things going against him. Five targets, 15% tar- target share in week one with 68 receiving yards and a top 50 wide receiver week. I will take it, Todd, with all that's ahead of him. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, especially after, like, you know, the game that Kirk had and, like, I mean, Hopkins went off. I mean, you got to expect that. But, um, yeah, he's just getting started with a lot of good players around and getting their work, too. He's going to explode in the second half. Absolutely going to explode in the second half. I am so excited about it. So, yeah, the 15% target share and, you know, a top 50, like, wide receiver week in week one, it just blows my expectations out of the water that early. So that was super exciting. For your next guy, Joker. Oh, Todd, David Njoku, tight end 12 in week one, coming back from injury despite Austin Hooper, despite Harrison Bryant. I'm not even sure if he was active, but still lots of tight end competition coming back from injury and five targets. Let's freaking go. And like you said, Todd, the th- I kept on seeing him pop up on red zone and I kept on going Njoku. And oh, Todd, it was glorious. And I will say, you sm- so you mentioned, you, was I whispering to anybody, uh, Todd? And Quinn has not been cleared. It's not the six-week mark, so I did not go whisper and joke to anybody else but myself uh, because uh, <laughs> I, you know, safety I, first in the right household. I just, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know. <laughs> and then Corey freaking Davis with a top five wide receiver week. Guys, sorry. I am pumped up with the Spaceman crushes hitting. Uh, only seven targets, 19% target share, but 97 yards and two tutties from Zach Wilson. And a 0.52 Whopper, nothing to write home about, but man, top five wide receiver week for a wide, for a guy who was going in the 40s or 50s, I think, in, in ADP, wide receiver ADP. God, Todd, I, I think this this was a great week for Corey Davis. He'll put up zeros in the playoffs. Move on. And got me the win still. Cat, he was, you know, emotional support there. And then my final crush, CEH, who I actually, it was tough because I traded CEH in a, a four CEH in the home league. Uh, with that involved Nick Chubb, who smashed in week one. CH didn't put up the numbers, only RB29, unfortunately, and only 10 points, PPR points. But 
the big number here, Todd, and what I care about when it comes to running backs is 85% opportunity share and 12.9 weight opportunities. If Kansas City's offense is going to be rolling, scoring all these points, CH getting all these opportunities is a good thing going forward. Definitely targeting him for anyone who's giving up. Uh, this is a bot. I think I, it's. I think it's a little disingenuous to think people are selling after week one, but it definitely. I'm knocking on some doors and making sure no one's uh, at least faltering. Hundred percent agree, man. I like like the, the time to buy was in the off season, but well, you know, like like I like people get emotional like if people don't come out of the gate strong like that, you know. So like he definitely looks like he's in the driver's seat as the running back of this like this backfield now. So yeah. You know, go kick some tires with that guy. You know, I love it. All right, David, enough of this. Enough, enough of the app, of the salad, the app. Let's get to the entree, baby. Let's get to take three. This is what I want to talk about. Let's go. Amari versus CeeDee Lamb, Todd. People know early last uh, last season, we had, even when the Walrus was still on the show, we had an epic battle about Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. Things were bantered about. Bets were made promises were made takes were made Todd things were flying and it was I was in the Amari camp Amari was the wide receiver one CD was the wide receiver 13 Amari 16 targets CD 15 so both over 25% target share which is just angels are singing Todd and then Amari 139 receiving yards CD over 100 with 104 Amari was a little bit more close to the line of scrimmage with like a 7.9 a dot CD lamb still not a lot with a 10.4 a dot no, sorry, 10.6 A dot. It was just weird. I actually felt like CD was being used closer, like more out of the slot than Amari was, but it was just an interesting usage. And then a similar area to market share with, with a little bit more for CD. And then actually, surprisingly enough, uh, more weight opportunity for CD Lamb than Amari. And then, but Amari was a much more efficient with a, uh, uh, whereas CD Lamb was actually pretty inefficient with his opportunities, Todd. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I am just thrilled with how this the how both wide receivers came in week one. What and I'm not victory lapping at all with Amari because Todd, I actually was going this offseason, I was investing over CD over Amari, but still, it felt we had to bring it up on two rivals after last season. Yeah, and, and like I, I mean, Amari being the the leader this year is not too far fetched. I mean, I'm still going to bet on CD, but at the same time, like. They both have an opportunity to be number ones. Like, they both could be in the top 12 by the end of the year. So this is a topic I actually was going to put on for my takes, but I knew you were going to focus on this. So I focused on a different young wide receiver where I'll talk about irresponsible journalism later. That's kind of like my rant take. But anyways, this offense is going to lead the NFL in pass attempts. I'm 100% confident in that because they're going to be pass heavy. They have a great passing back. You know what I mean? Two great passing backs. And the main reason for that is not because of the way of the offense. Their defense is dreadful. It's just dreadful. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. And, like, they went on and drafted a sick linebacker when they really should have been working on their secondary. <laughs> so, but anyway, so, like, point being is that, that, you know, you got Dak, you got the weapons, you got a terrible defense, you got the backs out of the backfield and catch the ball. It's just going to be pass happy, dude. So then you're looking at 16 and 15 targets in week one. I mean, Dave dropped all these, like, lovely numbers, but those are the ones that are really going to matter to me. And also, like, Gallup's out, you know? So, yeah. Big, I, big point, Todd, there. Big uh, point. Gallup's out. So, like, I mean, 
Sure. He like, looked good. He looked good. He did. He did. I mean, you got, like, Wilson will get a little bit of work, like, you know, like, Schultz and Jarwin, whatever, backs, but, like, the majority of that share from Gallup is going to the two studs. So, just to the moon, dude. We have Cooper and Lamb on the same team. <laughs> and uh, that's just awesome. There, Todd, there was a lot of naysayers about Dak. Oh, he's not going to get the same volume. They can't rep. You know, he's playing from behind. Uh, all Aussie. I'm sorry. Dak is a great quarterback. Great scene. Come back from injury. Uh, great game. Way to, way to, way to start off the season, Todd. And, and overall, though, I think this is both to the moon. Uh, the time to get on him. It, you cannot, I don't think you can acquire Amari Cooper at this point, Todd. He's unacquirable in redraft or in dynasty. Uh, and CeeDee Lamb, I don't think anyone's giving him up because he was so expensive here. So you didn't make a move, Todd. You missed out at this point. Oh, we made a move right before the season started on C.D. Lamb. Thanks, Joey and Evan. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. That wraps up Dave's takes. Woo! You ready? Yeah. Tell where they can find you. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. And I will eventually write for DLF again uh, as a tease. But then find my spreadsheet. I have a weekly NFL uh, database that gets updated by 8 a.m. every single day with the most advanced metrics but I'm just saying I, I pride myself in the accuracy and the efficiency of getting this out there. Uh, very successful week one getting this out there and all these advanced metrics. Check that out if you can. Todd, take it away, my friend. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on the, in the Twitterverse with significantly less followers than Dave. Um, I, <laughs> I don't have a spreadsheet. Um, but I do have an exciting new project I'm a part of. So at IDP, guys, we're starting... Um, a scouting portion of the site. So we'll be uh, scouting uh, prospects, so like rookies prospects. So if you're looking to look into the 2022 prospects, 2023 prospects, you'll be able to find profiles on every prospect done by myself, Joey, Hollywood, Kyle, Eric, uh, Toolsy, a.k.a. Sean. So like tons and tons of good stuff going into that. We're going to be doing game reviews and some college stuff. You'll still be able to find my Debbie stuff over there. And I'm going to be doing... um, Two two t- uh, series this year. I'm going to be doing a QB report uh, for the 2022 class, and then I'm going to be doing a small market, like but not small market, small school report, where I'm going to be looking at guys. Um, I'm going to just call my shot right now, Jalen Tolbert, dude. Jalen Tolbert, Southern Alabama, from South Alabama. That's gonna be a guy we're gonna be talking about soon. That's something I'm excited about. Um, so yeah, I'll be kicking that off, and um, just excited, man. Till next time. <laughs>